Hello, and welcome to Paideia Conversations, where we dialogue about all things Paideia. I am your host, Melissa Cummings, from Paideia Northwest. This is where you can listen in as Christian mamas discuss our purpose to raise our children in the nurture, admonition, instruction, and discipline of the Lord, His Paideia. for this Paideia conversation is Katie Westenberg. We invite you into this conversation with us as we continue to practice, pursue, and implement Paideia. All right, joining me now is uh, Katie Westenberg, and we get to enjoy Katie at rest coming up next month. But in the meantime, I get to have a little chat with her and we get to have a conversation about paideia and rest and all of these things from the perspective of motherhood and also home educators. So thank you for taking the time to join me and have this conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So first, just tell us about you and where you are, what you do. Tell us about your book. Just give us a little background on Katie. Okay. Well, I'm from South Central Washington. Um, so like the non-Seattle part of the state, most people, I guess this is kind of local, but it seems like when I say Washington, people just assume Seattle and it's kind of different. It's dry and there are a lot of vineyards out here. And I grew up um, really kind of focused and driven. And so just in this small town where there's only, I don't know, maybe a half a dozen stoplights. And, um, but I always yearned to leave the small town for the big town, you know, just the small town girl who wanted something bigger and different. And it was interesting to think about that lately because I had a great childhood and great upbringing, great parents who were followers of Christ. My dad, it was a pastor. So I, you know, I had a great home, but I, it's interesting that I wanted to go to the big city. So anyway, after high school, I left for college to get a communications degree and just plans and dreams of a bigger, a separate coastline, maybe a different coastline and um, ended up coming back and marrying my high school sweetheart. And so I, yeah, finished up. I went a long way. So I really live like 10 miles from where I was born. The hospital doesn't exist anymore, but yeah, traveled far and wide from there. And, um, but I had that business degree and kind of plans for that, but it wasn't, you know, shortly after we had started having children, we put my oldest into uh, preschool at the Christian school that we graduated from, had a great experience there, hadn't really thought anything different until we really started considering homeschooling. And mainly it was just from seeing other people do it well. You know, I had these perceptions of what it might be, but when we saw other people do it well, I thought, wow, this might be something to consider. And um, so then we, we did the preschool thing and then Kate brought him home because I thought like everyone, like how bad can you mess up kindergarten? We'll just try this for kindergarten. And then the babies kept on coming. So now we have four kids, two girls and two boys. The youngest is nine and the oldest is now 16. And we've just been educating them at home all along. Although my oldest is in running start now. So that's a little more hands-off. This is the first year where I have someone doing a little something different, but uh, it's, I guess, all in all, just a story of God's plans being so much better than my own, which is probably all of our stories down mm -hmm. at the base of it. And then just in these last years as they've gotten more independent and my role is probably um, a little bit less hands-on throughout the day, 
there's just been more opportunities to write and speak a little bit. And, um, and so God has grown that. And I was able to write a book last year that came out. Well, actually I wrote it the year beforehand with the process, but it came out last year and yeah, just do a little bit along with all my other home duties. Yeah. 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 So your kids are three of them, then you're homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And what's, um, what's something that you love about that right now? Or what's something that you do with them that you love? Um, I love, I, I just love being a part of all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's like inside jokes and relatable moments that come from just being together, just experiencing life together, reading the read aloud together, which becomes a joke later on during dinner or whatever. So I just like not missing it. Maybe that's like kind of selfish, but I like not missing any of the moments or when the spelling word that was misspelled pops back up at dinner. It's just the easiest way to teach because I don't have to think, okay, where are they? What do I need to figure out? What do I need to unpack? What do I need to, um, what do I need to process with them? Because that's not exactly what we agree with. Like I'm here for all of it. And so it just becomes so much more integrated. So that's one thing I really love about teaching them. And even my, so my oldest who does running start, that's all online this year. So he's here too. So we're still doing like our morning meeting together. He's still a part of that. And um, that's really sweet to hold on to that a little longer. Okay. So you're talking about that sort of integrated, integrated thing, which is very, that comes really naturally to us as homeschool moms. I think. Um, and I was homeschooled my whole, you know, pre-college education. So I'm curious, since you went to a Christian school, you said, how, how do you find that different? Um, that whole integration, do you feel like it's easier? I mean, not that, not that you were the mom when you were the student, but do you think that the integration of that is just more organic, more natural? Yeah, certainly, because you can't, you can't ask questions you don't know to ask, right? When you don't know what happened during history class, I can't like extend that learning at home without, I mean, you could, and I'm sure some parents do an excellent job of it, but it would be a lot of work to constantly know where you're at, to constantly know what figures you're studying or where you're at in math, or it's almost when there's a problem, that's when you finally dig into to what's going on there. So there's little issues that we're able to uh, maybe mitigate but at the same time, uh, I, I think it, our, our lives are so much more intertwined. And so I just grew up with one brother and, and that's different too, when you have two kids of the opposite sex. But I, I think it seems easier, at least from my limited perspective, obviously I've only been a mom once, right? Um, it seems like it, it's easier to, to create a bonded family because there's so much overlap of life and learning. And, and even you know the learning that comes from negative experiences, when we bump into each other and we're forgiving and all that stuff. We don't have much as they get older, maybe it happens a little bit more, but particularly when they're younger, we don't have separate lives. You don't have a separate day you need to tell me about. It's all of our day, all the time, the good and the bad and the ugly and the processing. So it just seems like it builds a really close family. Yeah. yeah. That's what I, I miss like, the difference. Yeah. I feel like that builds right into that, the question of the term idea then. So I don't know how familiar you are with the term or its roots or its application. What what is your familiarity with that Greek word or what does it mean to you? Is it just this totally unknown, brand new, it's all Greek to me? Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking that. What's my level of familiarity? Um, I think it means my level's at, I know how to say it, but maybe not spell it, right? <laughs> like there's too many vowels that I'm constantly mixing those up. So I don't know what that says about my 
level of familiarity, but you know, I, I love to study scripture. I love to read the Bible and, and try to unpack it and my limited knowledge and my growing knowledge. And, and I, my favorite thing about the word is that it's living and active and you can read it again and again and things flat jump off the page that you didn't yes. know were there. And yeah. So I've come across Paideia mainly, you know, in Ephesians and, and wonder what that is. And I think I've talked to you about that. Like, oh, look, I saw this. This is where you got it. It's so amazing. So for me, my, my learning probably isn't like, I didn't, even though that was probably part of my life when I was young, I didn't know the word itself until I was older. Um, but I think of it as a, the cultivation of mind and morals. It is the integration that I was talking about, right? It's, it's all of that. It's not just education. It's all like all of life is education, what we're cultivating together. Right. Yeah. It's not just an eight to three and yes. what we do in order to attain a diploma or something. Yes. Yeah. Or it's also not just the, just the, what we would call the spiritual stuff. It's not just, you know, a quiet time devotional. Yeah, it's so broad and deep compared to that. So yeah. how thinking about that and that depth and that all encompassing integration, what is a way that you think you purpose to bring that into your home with your children and your family? If we're talking about it as a term of enculturation, and specifically in Ephesians, when it says, Paideia of the Lord, right? It's not just, it's not an American culture. It's not as in that time, a Greek culture or Roman culture, but as citizens of heaven, what is this culture that we're trying to nurture? What is a way that you purpose to do that in your home? Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> a fun way that we've done this in the last year is, and I, I think it's without like explicitly saying it's getting, I mean, what we're saying is like, you can't really put this in a box, right? We want to. So I could have memorization time with my kids and there's nothing wrong with memorization, right? But they so easily want to put things in a box that they could think, oh yeah, like this is our Jesus time and this is our rest of the time or whatever. But I'm trying to get them to see the bigger picture of like, this is all of it. Like it's all for him. So one fun thing and, and maybe unsuspecting thing in our home in the last probably year is that I've incorporated picture books again. So Bo is my youngest and he's nine. And so at, as it kind of is with the youngest, they get shortchanged on some of the things, you know, they get, we, we round toward the middle usually, right? So and I guess everyone besides the middle ones probably, you know, doesn't get shortchanged. But um, so I just realized a couple of years ago that I hardly have read him any picture books. Like he's heard so many more chapter books than maybe the oldest did when he was age, his age. And so I started like on Sunday afternoons, we'd sit and just pick three picture books I want to read you. Cause like, he didn't know who, Francis was bread and jam for Francis. And I was like, I am doing something really wrong. Like, how are you missing this? And all the other kids are just horrified that he doesn't know some of these characters. Anyway, so then I talked to a mom about a year ago and she incorporates picture books all the time. And my first inclination was probably a little bit prideful. Like, why, why would you do that when you could be reading chapter books? Why would you be reading picture books every day? But I started following a couple people who recommend picture books all the time couple accounts on Instagram that read like good quality picture books. Some of them are biographies. Some of them are just excellent art. Some of them, um, I think I was telling you about this. One was about Walt Whitman's life and how he used his words basically to help the wounded troops and how he wrote his poem about Abe Lincoln and, you know, all of that. And just stories we never would have known otherwise. People we never would have known otherwise. And just, just, um, just, living their life in normal ways, right? Like, look at the beautiful artistry in this. How could this reflect God's glory? And I've seen my kids, my older ones, my teenagers, 
Like as I have that open, if they can be there for morning meeting, I love it when they can. And then they're just like drawn closer. They're across the room and they're coming closer because they want to hear the words of this book or they want to see the, it's, it's kind of comical, right? Because it's a picture book. I mean, there's only a couple hundred words in the whole book, but they've been really instrumental for like, just, just using beautiful language, seeing beautiful words, hearing beautiful stories and learning more about beautiful lives that maybe we would have put in a box. Like those things are for chapter books. Like, no, this is just more to our day, more beauty that we never even saw coming. So that's just been a really fun, fun way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because of my teenager is, I only have one teenager so far, but he's the same way. Um, even if I, I try to just read one-on-one with each child now and then. And if I'm reading something with the five-year-old that the 13-year-old remembers, or he thinks, oh, that sounds interesting. He will stop doing, you know, what he's doing. Even though he loves computer programming, he notices mom just sat down to read a picture book with the little brother. He wants to come over and see it. (laughs) It is. It's really funny. Uh, I love picture books. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think also then they can um, be a catalyst for further research. Um, We had a picture book on, um, was it Thomas Jefferson Builds a Library? I think is what it's called. And we loved that one. And so then the kids wanted to find out about Thomas Jefferson or um, at Winnie, Winnie the, finding Winnie. Um, they w- wanted to find out about Winnie. I think that one's um, illustrated by um, Sophie Blackall. Anyway, she's lovely. And they wanted to find out about this bear from World War One that was then you know, the inspiration for Winnie the Pooh. And so they wanted to take what they got from the picture book and go explore, you know, well, then what, what happened next? So it's almost like they're just little introductions, especially for the older kids. Um, you know, my, my five-year-old will read, um, hello lighthouse and just say, Oh, that's a great picture book. I love the art. I love the story. But then my oldest is like, well, now I want to go study the architecture of lighthouses and the historical connections that they have with um, the Navy and all these different things like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that was going to send us off on that rabbit trail. So yeah, I think that is such a good, good tip, such a good way to build those connections with our kids and how, what you, beauty is what you said, um, yes. just how to incorporate beauty. It's so, at least for me, was just so underutilized. I just kind of thought we had graduated from those, but I mean, it really is like five minutes, 10 minutes a day. And then you gave them that, that they can take elsewhere. And, and I find that we don't, I mean, chapter books take a while, particularly when we read them together, because one kid might be gone in the afternoon. So nobody reads without the kid that's gone, you know, so right. we might read all together four days a week. So they, they're kind of slow and, and that's fine. We still enjoy those, of course, but Um, I can give them so much more. I can't get to all the chapter books I want to read with these kids, right? There's not enough time for how many books I want to read, but I can give them heart. I know, isn't it sad? (laughs) But I can supplement with these picture books and like, hey, look, we learned about this today. We learned about this person. And and who knows which one is going to inspire them or which art style is going to inspire them. But it's just exposure that's really sweet. We can do in a little bit, a little bit of time. And yeah, it's great learning. Yeah, yeah. So that sort of is this idea of a, a glimpse of Paideia is what we've been calling it at Paideia Northwest and Paideia Southeast is um, a glimpse of Paideia. So that's right there. I'm imagining you, you know, snuggled up with your nine-year-old and the older ones coming in and looking over your shoulder and listening in. 
seems like a great glimpse of Paideia. Are there any other things that come to mind with um, what's something that you have seen in your home or with your kids that sort of just speaks that enculturation to you? Mm -hmm. uh, lately, it's been a lot of conversations and maybe this is the factor of my kids getting older. So the oldest is 16 and then 13 and 11 and nine. And there's so many conversations to be had, particularly in the world right now. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's things that they've never seen before. We've never seen before. Um, the amount of vitriol that you see or hear, or this person or people we agree with or don't disagree with it. It's so interesting. You know, what does this mean? And so they're hearing new things about mandates and such, and they're trying to figure out how to process that. But the opportunity for conversation is so ripe, like never before and talk about, so let's integrate. What does this mean? Like to be Christ-like in this situation, what does it mean to love well when you disagree, what is it, you know, what does this look like? So it, it feels like we're working in real time. Like the opportunity is so rich just to have those conversations and talk about when it's hard and talk about when we know, and they're always asking, well, what are you going to do? What are you guys going to do mom and dad about anything that comes up? What do you think about that? What do you think about that person said, you know, and it's hard because sometimes we're processing too, you know, we're, and then we're just honest. We're praying about this. We're asking the Lord. I don't, I don't really know. This is a really hard situation. You know, this right. is hard when people don't agree when believers don't agree all of that. So um, right now it's just conversations and, and even as hard as they are, I can be thankful that I get to walk them through this when I'm in, and they're in my home. You know, we yes. get to have them all the time in real time. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a blessing. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned picture books as sort of this broad category of um, like a resource for encouraging and enculturation of, yeah, godly, just that godly culture and that pursuits, that intentional, a specific resource that you would encourage other moms to try out. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would say, first of all, and, and I feel like I'm an old mom because I keep on saying these older kids, but anyway, I don't know when that happens, but it, but it changes as they get older. So one example is that with my older son, he's 16. Okay. And we're not pursuing the dating thing or anything like that now. Um, but my husband and I had an intentional conversation about, we want to have those conversations in some ways before he's ready because before emotions are involved, right? Before we've gone down a lane, like let's talk about these. I want all of those things to be things that we talk about progressively. Yeah. And so, um, you know, as they go along, so it's not just like one day. So here's how it's going to be. Let, let's process how these things go. So sometimes as they get older, it's not being afraid of the resources because we can process If we have this great lines of communication, then we can discuss them together. So one thing we just discussed was, um, Jonathan Bakluda's book, Outdated. So obviously for older kids. And, and he has a podcast too that my son likes, um, Becoming Something, okay? And so he's talking about common topics and then we're discussing them together. So they come back and, and they're bouncing off us. But the other day, uh, so Tyler came in and, and he was telling me about some podcast he listened to and it was talking about honoring, actually we listened to it together. We were traveling, so we listened to it together. And um, all the younger kids weren't there to, to learn about dating at nine years old or whatever. So, because um, there are age limits for these things, right? Right. And it was talking about honoring one another. Like, this is what we do when we form relationships. We seek to honor other people, which is such a great thing to process in any of our relationships and sibling relationships or whatever. So we're talking about honoring one another. And then, and then also as you potentially pursue someone to define the relationship, to be really honest communicators, to not manipulate anyone, to be really honest about where you are and what, what you're thinking, you know, all of those things. So processing those things and, and talking with Tyler, he's easy to talk to because these conversations haven't been some big weird cliff we jump off at some point. Right. So anyway, 
I was talking to a friend a couple of days later and, and she and her husband are considering some major changes because, because of the world being the way it is, major changes. And they were hard to process. And she said, I don't know, my husband came and said, you know, considering a move and all of these things. And she said, however, one thing that has really helped me is that he has always been the best communicator with me. I know he's not like hedging things back or maybe like not telling me because I can't handle it all. From the time we started dating, he came up to me the first time and said, I'm interested in you. I would like to get to know you more. Can we go have lunch? And so he was like, here he is being this honest, honoring her with the communication. And now they've been married 20 years and she has this like trust in the way he communicates. So, and, and it just, I had listened to that podcast with my son. So I was able to go back to him and say, you know what? Like, this isn't just for dating. This is like building relationship and, and trust in your communication for all of life. And it was just one of those sweet moments of, and he, I don't know if sometimes I wonder if like half the stuff just goes like, oh, I don't know why you're talking about this. <laughs> but I think he got the point. Like when yeah. you are, when you honor other people in the relationship, it's not just to get yourself a wife. Like this is not just about dating, right? This is about how we maintain good and healthy relationship through all of our life. And I was able to give him the example of that. So I thought, how sweet, Lord, that you could see this and show it to them. And, and I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's like any of our learning, like reading a picture book. Sometimes it is throwing spaghetti at the ceiling and seeing what sticks, but we do, we keep on doing it. We keep on seeing the opportunities and being thankful for them. And who knows how the Lord leads those. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's beautiful. You said the book was called outdated. Outdated by Jonathan Bakuda. Yeah. And so we bought again through some of it. So I'm nervous to endorse the whole thing, but that's, that's the deal. Like that's what it, that's all of life when they're moving at that pace and they're older, then we're processing it together. And like, what does this look like? What do you think about this? What do I think? And what does the Bible say? And does he like, maybe he lines things up with scripture incredibly well. I love how you use the word honoring to honor one another. I want to use that with my kids. Actually, I use the words, um, you know, with their sibling interactions, I tell them, you know, respect one another and be kind with one another. But if you combine those two things together, respect and kindness, it, it would boil down just to honoring yeah. one another. That's, mm-hmm. that's straight shooting terminology right there. That's beautiful. I appreciate that. One, one fun tip that we've been doing the definitions is memorizing definitions. And my pastor is good at this. So he's influenced me and in being a word nerd. I don't know why I didn't think of it on my own, but <laughs> sometimes you say honor to our kids and they're like, okay, I'll act like a soldier. Like they have, they have all kinds of different ideas. So what does it mean? We've been going through the definition every day of love. Okay. It's preferring one another. Sometimes it's a great personal expense by the help of the Holy spirit. Like let's give you terms that, what would that mean? What would that mean today? Then if we were going to prefer others, what does it mean right now when we're all wanting the food or you want to watch your movie or, you know, so I would encourage just definitions to those terms too. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good idea. Definition of honor. Yeah. I'll start there. Awesome, right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That was something I was discussing recently with someone else too, is this idea of we're raising our kids in the culture of the Lord for his kingdom. And yet we are being shaped right alongside them. Mm -hmm. And so these things that I want to give my children and um, bless them with, it's also a gift for myself. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. These, these conversations It's not just about us, you know, by God's grace, being this culture shaper for our children. It's Mm -hmm. God is the culture shaper of us, you know, we're his children and he's doing that as well for us. And it's, it's so big. It's so big. Which makes aging not all that scary, right? Like we just have so much more to learn. A lot more time to learn it. That's true. Yeah. 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 
So talking about all of these things and having all the kids and um, the conversations and the books and the home education and your speaking and your writing, I mean, it, it sounds like a lot. It sounds exhausting, right? How does the idea of pursuing rest come into the picture for you um, as an individual or as your family, your family culture? How do you find rest necessary? Well, it's vital. And um, usually we, we don't recognize that until we hit the wall, you know, until we crash and burn and realize, okay, I'm missing something here. Um, one thing for me is just margin on the calendar. I used to be someone who'd look at a calendar and a blank space is open space. And until you build all the spaces in and realize you can't pivot and maybe that's getting older, more kids, all the things like pivoting day to day to different things can really add up quickly. So then it became something as simple as, okay, if this is what's happening this day, maybe the afternoon before it is full too, you know, like just putting, like I had to write in margin because I didn't seem to think of it on my own. So if we're traveling this day, that means I actually write it the day before we're big campers, but prep day for camping can be more exhausting than a whole camping trip. Right. So I need the day before to know that, no, I'm just going to say no. And it didn't feel like, you know, if it's open, you can't tell someone, no, I'm busy, but actually I am like, you have, I have to make space for that because it's a limited quantity, my capacity is limited. And so I think I need to recognize that, no, I can't just keep on adding because it's got to take from somewhere else, right? There's nothing else to give. Then all of a sudden we're picking up McDonald's or whatever, because I'm just too exhausted, right? That's not, if that's not the way I want to live, then I have capacity, I have to have capacity for that. So um, keeping those margins in, <clears throat> and then I've kind of adapted a process, which is not I mean, it's nothing set in stone, but it's just what seems to work for our family. Andy Crouch, I think it's Andy Crouch, who has the orange book, Tech Boys Family. Okay. Yeah. And he talks, yeah, Tech and Your Family. And he takes a break. He tries to encourage taking a break one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year. And, and I, in my head, formulate rest to being the same way. Now, mm -hmm. is that always possible? Absolutely not. And there's some days where, you know, I remember this just like when my kids were little too, and you didn't sleep through the night, that doesn't really change what you have to get done during the day sometimes. Like there's no time for a nap. So then you're just going to rely on the Lord. This is what I have before me. And I'm going to ask that any rest that I need today comes from you. Mm -hmm. And when I would do that, because I used to like calculate the math of how many times I got up. Oh yeah, I got up four times last night. You know, I would just like keep track, like Tally's not a prison cell or something like that. Right. When I forgot, when I forgot, stop keeping track and just trust the Lord for what I needed. All of a sudden I get to the end of the day and realize nobody didn't even get as tired. Like I'm not here. I'm relying on a strength and then like staring at my weaknesses. Right. So anyways, it doesn't always work that way every day now, but if I can in as much as I can, we're here. I try to have an hour of quiet time and it's read or rest. We call it our house. So you can read if you want to, or you can rest that that's, those are the options, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and then on Sundays, I try to make space for that as much as possible because I've just found that life giving to my family. So if something comes up and we're invited to go to dinner somewhere, or, you know, we make those decisions as they come, if we're able to do something as a family, that's fine. But I love to have, it's been, it's been life-giving to all, to everything. You know, your kids, when they get around other kids too much, they, they have that separation between them. Sometimes I talked about this with you, just the, the ingenuity and creativity that comes from being bored, but they're not bored very often, right? Because we're going. So what happens when I try to print out some things like, um, what's been fun lately? those dot to dots that are like adult dot to dots, like a yeah. thousand. Dots, those are fun. So I set them on the table, make sure there's books there. And now, now we're just going to give each other a break for a couple of hours and have that quiet time. And then if we can make time to have a vacation to away, just to rest, put it all away. And those, those built in rest. I mean, not, again, not hard and fast rules, not things I want to be a slave under by any means, but they, they do bring joy to our family. Yeah. Yeah. Joy. That's, 
that's an underpinning of of rest. We can still be busy in um, in the things that we need to get accomplished, or you know, going on a vacation can be exhausting, <laughs> especially with kids, right? Um, we call them trips in our house at this point because we still have a fresh two-year-old, so they're trips. They're not vacations yet, but they can still be restful in that way. And I think it's that joy, the joy that gives us that that foundation of feeling rested. So pursuing that rest in your family culture, you mentioned Sundays. Um, how do Sundays look different? Obviously, you know, we celebrate the Lord's Day on the first day of the week, but, you know, they've asked me, what, what was the purpose of that seventh day? What did God do? And so talking with them about that's a really good question. What did he do? He enjoyed the fruit of what he had done, that labor. Was he physically exhausted? You know, could he not continue working? Well, I mean, he's, he's got, he's all powerful, but it had to do with setting it aside and pondering the good things that he had made. I really enjoy talking about that with my kids. Like, how can we make this day joyful and fresh and festive and yeah restful in that not just physical way but the the soul filling way which what a gift like why would we not want to and like that was a gift for us that's a gift for our renewal of like why why wouldn't we want to enjoy that right yeah sabbath was made for man yeah right but i don't want to make it another cleaning day or another shopping day (laughs) right right so what would be a resource an idea is there a a blog or a book or particular music or something that you would suggest to another mama who wants to pursue rest while laboring for the kingdom of God? So my first recommendation, you you can't go without saying to be be in the word. You have to like pursuing rest is pursuing Christ. Right. So I, I have to be found there. And it's amazing how much the habit of faithfulness in the world word is just transformative. Like, so I have to be in their day. I have to see, I love, I think I already told you that I love the living and active word, how different circumstances that are going on in my life, like just scripture jumps off the page. So whether you start in the Psalms, whether you do a cover to cover reading plan, like there's a lot of fantastic options that will do the job, you know, whether you're studying comprehensively in one book, but just to be faithful there. So he can provide, I, I, I need to absorb the word to, to remind me, because I were such good forgetters. Like I need mm. to be reminded, this is where my hope is found. Like, let, let, tell me about this living hope, Peter. I need to know this again and again. So it gets drilled through my head. So first and foremost, I would make time for that. And and time in different seasons looks a whole lot different, right? So if it's, yeah. if it's a couple of scriptures, it's a couple of scriptures and I promise he can make it enough. Like yeah. loaves and fishes kind of I got, like that can be enough. But there are seasons where you get to go deep and you get to study and that's just like dwelling in your head and heart all day long. So I would definitely start with scripture. Um, one thing, so I'm not a big devotional person just because there's only so much time. And so if there's time, I'm going to be found reading my Bible. But um, this last shoot, was it August, July? I mean, the last couple of years have been intense, right? right. Um, politically, socially, all those things. But I found it for the first time really hard to read my Bible. 
like my brain is just spinning. It's thinking about news and I'm trying, it's not sinking as much. And I'm in this study thinking like, oh, why does my brain just spin? And I read Praying the Scriptures Over Your Life by Jody Burnt. Jody Burnt's a friend of mine. She's a, a mentor, a woman who follows Christ intensely. And she's always been about praying the word. <clears throat> I printed out a calendar of hers that's praying, that's praying scriptures over your children. And it's yes. a calendar. Yeah, she has a series of books, Praying the Scriptures Over Your Children, Over Your Teens, Over Your Life just came out and she sent me a copy. It was, it was late this summer. Okay. And so I picked up that book and it's all about abiding. Is that John 14? Mm. 14 or 15, right in there. Mm-hmm. And, and just the days to read that and a time where my heart feels so weak, so tired of hearing everything that's going, like things you just can't even process where you feel like it's just spinning and just being reminded each day to abide. And let's, let's pray over this. Let's know who God is. So anything that can, that is going to be like theologically sound and point you back to Christ daily is a healthy thing. And that was such a healthy thing for me to read in that season. And probably a good thing to be reminded that there are so many good tools out there at our disposal. I don't want to, to say like, yeah, don't, don't mess with devotionals. Just read the word. I want to start there, but there are other things that can help me in certain seasons. So I just had a friend the other day who was overwhelmed. Just one of those moments where she hit the wall and, and she was hungry, desperate for the rest. And I was thinking, and I, I ordered the book right away and was able to take it to her. Like, here's something when you can't, when you just, your brain can't take in much else and you need someone almost just to, to process it for you, right? To help you like walk me through in baby steps and point me back to truth, point, point me back to the word. Um, it's a fun thing to have that at your disposal. Like, yes, this this is what I was able to give her in that season. Yeah, yeah. So trying to connect it, um, you mentioned that you, you speak and you write occasionally. Can you tell me about I Choose Brave and how how God used that as, how did he use that in your life as a way to bring you closer to him, the writing of that book? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you were by my side for much of that story. You prayed me through much of them with the launch of that and stuff like that. Um, so that, that's always a process. Writing the book takes a couple of years and then it comes out. And so studying precisely the fear of the Lord and what godly courage looks like it's felt like the job of my life to be able like, this is my job to study the fear of the Lord study. Like what is holiness? What have I thought about this being a believer? You know, I was raised in the church. So I've kind of known these things, but there's so many things in that familiarity that we just kind of skim over. Right. And do I really know what holiness is? What, what does it mean to fear the Lord and not fear man? What does that look like? So interesting and timely that it would come out in the middle of all of this. Um, but Okay, what did it look like to to write that and have that come out? When you sign a book contract, that's before you begin writing the book. And so you have a year or so to write the book, and then it's going to come out a year after that. And when I signed the contract for that book, I signed a contract for two books. And that was an option, right? Like the you have an agent and they work with the publisher and you have these options. And so the hardest thing about signing that contract was not knowing what life would be like, right? So in two years, the first book comes out. I can kind of imagine what my life might be like in two years, like add two to every kid and these grades. And I don't, I don't plan to move in two years, you know, like that control. I got two years under control. A couple of years later, I have no idea after beyond that, right? I mean, shoot, kids could almost be married. You don't even know, like a lot can happen before you're so, so what was yeah. concerning to us was the second book, not the first book. I got this one under control. I got my life under control, but what is it gonna be like? Anyways. Um, pride is, is hilarious at times because it wasn't just long after I signed that contract that life just flat turned upside down. Like we had some stuff with extended family that came out of nowhere and 
divorce and just really complicated, messy things we weren't expecting, not mine, but like extended, you know, just really painful things when you hurt for other people and you're in it with them. And those are, I don't want to call them distractions, but I hear I thought I had this work and this focus and this time in front of me and my heart is somewhere else. Like my tears and my mind is spinning, not as much about the fear of the Lord. I'm just thinking, how do I help? What do I do here? You know? So your mind is consumed with that. And it was just a couple months later that my dad had a heart attack and my dad was um, pretty healthy at the time. So it was, didn't have any heart trouble. So it was totally unexpected. And then he had a bypass surgery that didn't go well. And then he had, gosh, he was just weakening day by day, ultimately ended up getting a heart transplant. I had my marketing call, my first marketing call for the book um, from the 11th floor of the ICU at a hospital, like time out with dad so I can go, you know, who plans these things, which it's just, it was comical to me. And like, Lord, you went before me because here I thought I had this all under control and I had no idea. And so I was leaning on him for courage in ways I hadn't even expected, hadn't even planned for. And he made time and space. I was editing when he was recovering from the transplant at the University of Washington Hospital, like, okay, I could take the book with me and I could edit, you know, he's asleep still. He's not, he's just coming out so I could do it. And he makes time for that. No one would sign up. I don't have the courage to sign up for that. Thank goodness. Like it's a grace not to know what lays ahead, but to let that out and to see day by day, I can trust him for enough to get done what, done, what, get, what needs to get done today. He always provides like what an awesome thing to experience so much like what you said, we are just learning as we're parenting our kids you know, here I'm just learning even as I'm writing and he's teaching me again and he's reminding me who he is while I'm trying to write the same words about other experiences I've had in the past. And he's reminding me, yes, I'm still that God, Katie. This is who I am here. So, and then to get done and not be overwhelmed by it and think it all happened and he did it. You can't take any credit for it because you had no idea the train wreck that was coming. So it was an amazing experience, a really awesome experience. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So then I guess, the next obvious question is, um, are you working on that second book? I am. Yes. But I have no expectations now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know we can get through this one because you only have a heart transplant once. Right. <laughs> I think so. Right. Now, so starting with the second one, it will, um, not the deadline is even until March of next year and then a year following. So they gave me great space in that. That is, that's another thing. Like you think that the, the calendar is full. There's a lot on my plate, but there's a lot of space in there too. So that, that helps to work with people who get motherhood and get what your life is like and aren't trying to, to push a, a round peg in a square hole. Like, no, we have capacity for this. So that's the only way I'm able to do it is lots of time. Yeah. Yeah. And resting in between maybe. <laughs> right. So sort of a, a final bring it in for a landing question. What have you been reading lately? Um, obviously scripture. We talked about that that has brought the blessing of a godly paideia to your own soul. Mm -hmm. So I have been reading more fiction and I'm not a big fiction reader. And that's probably the productivity side of me. Like, why would you read fiction when we can read real stuff, you know? And that's a change. I would never tell my kids that, but that's been a change in my own mind to think the beauty of fiction is mostly what my heart needs in this season. And I guess that's something I tended to do even with the last book, because you never want to absorb somebody else's ideas. So when I'm writing, I tend to read fiction anyway, but it has blessed my heart in ways I haven't expected. So I've read more Wendell Berry. I think I've read his books in the last year. I've always liked his poetry, which I know some people don't love, but I've loved his poetry. Um, but Hannah Coulter, I just finished that one a couple months ago. So beautiful. Yes. So it's almost sitting with a mentor. Like, how was this not even real, right? Like, how can I possibly- How was this written by a man? Oh, I already asked that question. Is that amazing? <laughs> Extraordinary. 
But it's like she's mentoring you through life. You're seeing it in a different perspective, like the depth and the breadth and the width of it all. And it makes these, everything that's going on in the world, it just shines perspective on all of it. So that was a huge gift to me in this season. And now I'm reading Jaber Crow, which doesn't move quite as quickly. I'm probably only halfway through that and not loving it as much as Hannah Coulter, but I still, I just love the pace of Wendell Berry. Just the pace of his words seems really healthy in this season. Mm, yeah. And the way that he, you know, he does tie reality to beauty, to imagination, mm-hmm. um, because yeah, Hannah felt like a real mentor. Um, and so when her heart broke, my heart broke in a way, I don't think other fiction had, I, I struggled to call that fiction because it felt like such a biography. Yes, um, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So Wendell Berry. Yes. So good. So good. Well, I, I really enjoyed chatting with you and I'm so excited. I get to see you in person in just a few weeks and yeah. Chat with you more there and sit under a talk by you. That's such a blessing. I'm just, I'm really grateful. So, thanks for taking the time out of your day today to have this conversation with me and chat about motherhood and Christian culture and all the things. Yes, it was a joy. It was a joy. And that brings today's conversation to a close. You can find more conversations on Paideia at paideianorthwest.com and paideiasoutheast.com for more resources and practical encouragement. Join me again next time for another Paideia conversation. And in the meantime, peace be with you.